You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. to settle down a little bit as the lively crowd departs the sanctuary. Would you say this? I'll say it then. You say it. Glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Six days to go, but You're on it. He's the only one. He gets the prize. I didn't say stop. Simon didn't say stop. Welcome to our 2021 CCF Christmas celebration. You know, the last two weeks, we've been in a three-sermon series on the Christmas story. That's not normally me, but I have found that very interesting. And the last two weeks, we looked at some of the preliminary events leading up to the birth of Christ. We talked about the angelic visitation to Zechariah with the message that they would have a son in their old age, and that son would be John the Baptist. Jesus referred to him as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. I know it's in the gospel, but that's still Old Testament times. And by the way, maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't. I guess it's because of the circles in which I matriculate. So many sermons this year focused on Zechariah. Has anybody noticed that? Show of hands. Looking at YouTube and, well, that kind of encouraged me. It's like the Holy Spirit has been bringing that to the attention of the church. You know, when I started preaching and came upon Zechariah, I didn't really really think that was like a major theme. But then we had the angelic visitation to Mary with the message that she would have a son. Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son. Mary's going to have a son, even though she was a teenager and she was a virgin. That son was Jesus Christ. Both of these accounts that we've looked at so far, they're predictive. They're prophetic. The message that came was prophetic. Something else is going to happen. And today, at least in Luke's account, We're up to the main event, the birth of Jesus Christ. So I thought what we would do today, you've heard it before, it's so familiar, I know, there's no room at the inn, and we know where that goes from there. But today we do want to look at the components that were surrounding, related to, the actual birth of Christ. So Luke chapter 2, it's on the screen. At that time, the Roman emperor decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, the Roman emperor throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting child. 
If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, or if you've even been in the church for any amount of time, you, you know this story. This should be very familiar. The first component related to the birth of Christ is that Rome decreed a census. Everyone in the entire Roman kingdom had to be registered, and that was a huge kingdom. Everyone had to return to the town of their ancestors to be properly accounted for. This was a huge undertaking. The entire Roman Empire, which comprised the then-known world, was on the move. People everywhere in transition, traveling. No wonder there was no room at the inn. If you didn't get an early start, you weren't getting in at the end. Of course, this census, this decree from Rome, it affected Joseph and Mary. What I really want to show us today through the Christmas story is the brilliance of God, the incredible wisdom of God. We usually focus on the, on the baby, that's right, that, that's valid. But I want us to see what God was doing and who God is in this thing. And then hopefully make some relevant application to our lives today. So it's not just a story from 2,000 years ago. So, of course, this census affected Joseph and Mary. They were living in Nazareth at the time. They were awaiting the birth of Jesus, their child, which was very close. Any of you women who have had children, I want you to think about this. I want you to go deeper than the ink on the page. You've been pregnant. You know what that's like. Think about this journey in the last days of your pregnancy. And you didn't call an Uber. And you didn't jump on a bus. You rode in a golf cart. No, I mean, you rode on a donkey or a camel or walked. Can you imagine what that was like? I know in the last days of our pregnancies with Deb, she was so uncomfortable all the time to have to then make a journey. Now, listen, question for you. Other than the facts of the story... What is the significance of this Roman census? You know, now is like the worst possible time for this to happen for Mary and Joseph. You've seen that in your life. Things happen at the worst possible time. Murphy's Law, right? Things that can go wrong will go wrong. And then they've added to that at the worst possible time. That's what this scenario was for Joseph and Mary. What do you think is the significance of this Roman census? Any thoughts? Why did God allow that at this time? Dustin. Good guess, but not necessarily to protect him, but he needed to move him somewhere. Yeah, the, the answer he's giving is a good answer. They're moving him because he's trying, 
Herod was trying to kill all the babies, but that doesn't happen yet. That comes later. Bob? Okay, Deb, what were you going to say? Yep, he had to be born in Bethlehem. He had to fulfill the scripture. He was living in Nazareth. How's God going to get him to Bethlehem? Brilliant, right? (laughs) The significance is that according to the scripture, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come, for, will come from you on my behalf. This is considered a primary, credible, messianic prophecy, or prophecy concerning the Messiah, and I hope you know Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ, that's the Greek word for for Savior, and Messiah is the Hebrew word for Savior. And there are many scriptures, prophecies throughout scripture. This one in particular focuses on his birth, and it says that he would come from Bethlehem. God always, always fulfills his word. Always, no matter how impossible it seems. You've got some impossible situations you're facing right now, don't you? God always fulfills his word and his promises. He never, hard for us to grasp this because we fail and we disappoint. God never fails. God never, ever disappoints. Those who put their trust in him will never be ashamed, will never be disappointed. I want us to see who God is. In the Christmas story. We've had sermon after sermon after sermon on who the baby is. I want us to see who God is today. This was actually very simple for God. Impossible. Except nothing's impossible for God. And nothing's actually difficult for God. Is anything too difficult for me, says the Lord? Well, wait. The couple that's going to have the Messiah who needs to be born in Bethlehem are living in Nazareth. And it's only a couple days to their birth. What are you going to do? Oh, simple, hub. I'm just going to move on the heart of the emperor of the world's greatest kingdom. And I'm going to have him decree a census that will make everyone return to their hometown to be counted. And this will accomplish my plans and purposes. And this will get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem just in time for the birth of Messiah. Can you say it with me? Brilliant. Brilliant. God is amazing. His plans are beyond our figuring out. The way he orchestrates circumstances is another thing I want us to see. And I want us to see it not just in the story 2,000 years ago, but in our lives today. The way he orchestrates circumstances and the details of our lives without violating our free will. He knows exactly how to do that. He knows exactly how to get accomplished what he wants to accomplish in your life without violating your will. He just orchestrates circumstances because he knows the choices you'll make in those circumstances. You say it with me one more time? Brilliant! God's so incredible. There's another word, incredible. We've got to praise God. 
Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is beyond his ability to accomplish. If he's given you a word on his plans and his purposes, he will bring it to pass. No matter how discouraging things or impossible things seem to have gotten since you got that word or that promise. He's been showing me lately that he is good and he is good all the time. Even when you don't think you're good, you actually are good because he is good. He's kind of been teaching me to say, I am good whether I feel good or whether my life is going good or not. I'm good because he's good and I'm in him and he's in me. You're good and he never changes. We feel down, we feel disappointed, we feel fear and worry and all that stuff, although we're commanded not to, right? We still do, and what he wants us to know is you don't need to feel those things. I, speaking as God, I never feel those things. I'm always full of joy. I'm always rejoicing. I'm always love. I'm always hope. And we can feel that as well. Got to get our focus off the world. It's so difficult, I know. But God's trying to show us you can live a totally different life than we have been living. I'm getting ahead of myself, but when the angels appear in this story, what's the thing that they announce to mankind? Great joy and gladness and peace, goodwill to man. Why? Because a Savior is born who's going to deliver you from all these negatives that you're experiencing, and you won't have to experience them anymore. If we do experience them, it's because we choose to. I know that's harsh, but it's because we choose to. I'm totally guilty of that, as well as some of you are. But God is teaching me not to give in to that anymore, that he's always good, and I'm always good. Because he's good. Amen? Amen? I'm not saying it's easy, and you know it's not easy. But I'm saying it's worthwhile. If you get there, as we get there, not if. Here's an application for us. Circumstances, situation, details of your life right now, my life right now. They often seem to have no rhyme, and they have no reason. They seem to be out of control. They seem to be very random. Why? Why this? Why that? Why not this? Why not that? But know this. If you are his, this is for believers. The promise is for believers. If you are his, if you have come to him through faith in Jesus, this baby that was, is being born at Christmas, then you need to know, I need to know, God is orchestrating your circumstances. It's not out of control. It's not without rhyme or reason. It's not random. God is at work in your life. You just can't figure it out because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It calls for a complete, deep trust in him. That although I cannot figure this out, I know from the word, which never fails, That God is orchestrating these circumstances for my good, for our good. I know it's so hard. It can be hard. God is orchestrating the circumstances, the situation, the details of your life all the time, very intentionally. If you could think of it this way, and you know, God's managing the universe, He's sustaining the universe, 
but he's also very intentionally and intricately managing the circumstances of your life. Can you say it with me? Brilliant! The tough part is to believe that. Because it doesn't seem like it. And the world, the flesh, and the devil will scream at you that that's not true. And the reason he is intentionally and intricately managing these details, circumstances, situations of your life is to bring about his good. Remember, he's good. He's always good. His good, perfect, and acceptable will for you. His plans and his purposes for you, for me. Think about it. No wonder Scripture constantly admonishes us not to fear, not to worry, not to be anxious, not to be discouraged, not to be downcast. You know, I've never counted it, but they say that there's verses that that are like this. There's 365 of them in the Scripture. Have you heard that? One for each day of the year because we're so given to those things. God says you don't have to be given to those things anymore. That's why Jesus was born, the Savior, the Messiah, the Deliverer, to deliver us from this stuff. God has literally everything regarding your life right now under his control. Amen? Is that a good place for an amen? Anybody that's listening, amen? Amen. All right, so now the second component. First component of the Christmas story was Rome decreed a census. Got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem where they needed to be to have that baby. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth. She laid him in a manger because why? There was no room at the inn. There was no lodging available for him. I chose a version that didn't... A ver- a version that didn't say there's no room at the inn. There was no lodging available. So the second component is very simple. The actual birth of the baby Jesus. Rome decreed the census. They went there. Jesus was born. He got to Bethlehem in time, probably just in time. And he was born there in Bethlehem, just as the scriptures had foretold hundreds of years before. The main event of the Christmas story has now occurred. There's all the All the predictions, the prophecies, the promises leading up to this, now it has occurred. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the long-awaited one, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, was born. There's a third component, though. There were shepherds in the fields guarding their flocks, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They, meaning the shepherds, were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Third component is this angelic appearance again. A little bit of humor. Maybe you'll find it funny. I was telling the guys at the leadership team last Monday that we're probably done with this angel stuff now. We had two sermons on it. We're probably done with it. I'm guessing God has other plans because here they are again, angels. And when we go back to Acts chapter 12, the first account we come up against has angel appearance. Some comments on this. 
It seems that these appearances happen suddenly when angels appear. Zechariah, Mary, now the angels to the shepherds. Suddenly. Often occurs when you least expect it. Shepherds weren't expecting to see angels while they watched their flocks by night. And of course, as seemingly always, the shepherds were terrified and the angels had to tell them not to be afraid. That seems to be common in every angelic appearance. Human beings go into fear. The angels say, hey, don't be afraid. So what was the message the angels brought this time? The first two messages were the conception of children. Remember, angels are spirit messengers to God's people. Primarily, though not exclusively, angels bring a message to God's people. They tell God's people what God is about to do. And often they tell the person, the recipient of the message, what your role in this is going to be. Angels don't just appear to be sensational. They appear very purposefully from God. There's a purpose in their appearance. So if you're just praying to see an angel, probably not going to happen. But as you go about your life serving him, you never know. Especially never know in these days ahead. So the angel's message. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Then suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God. Can you imagine an angel start, and after he gives the message, this entire sky, the entire atmosphere filled with angels, the radiance of God's glory, the armies of heaven praising God. What a sight. What a sight. Shepherds got more than they bargained for that night when they were watching their sheep. Wow. Angel messengers, a vast angel host, referred to as the armies of God. Can you imagine how they may have been dressed? If they're the armies of God, they were probably in full battle array, whatever that looks like. There are other places in Scripture where angels are talked about being dressed in battle array, chariots of fire. It's funny, or it's not funny, but it's interesting. Angels permeate the, the Christmas story. Angels permeate the birth of Christ. Ministering spirits of God. Working with humans to bring about the will of God. That's a whole new realm for most of us. We're familiar with God the Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working with the church to accomplish God's will. And all of a sudden, God's introducing a new element into our thinking. Angels, ministering spirits of God, working with God's people to accomplish his will on the earth. What exactly does that mean? What will that mean in the days ahead? Anybody interested, excited about that? Remember, first you're going to be afraid, and then they'll tell you not to be afraid, and then you'll be okay. That's the way it works. So a whole host of angels appear to the shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem. 
Now, again, important. It seems very random to us. But you're going to see in a moment or so, this was, a, this was very intentional on God's part. These shepherds that the angels appeared to, it's not, it seems random, no rhyme or reason, but it's not. It's very intentional. These shepherds have a very significant role to play in this unfolding narrative of the Christmas story, of the birth of Christ. Now, implied in the words, you will recognize him by, his, by this sign, you will find the baby. Implied in that was, you shepherds, you need now to go. You need, you need to go visit him. You need to go find him, and you need to visit him, and you need to see him. Well, why? Why? It's a very specific reason and intention from God as to why. So the third component, there was what well, we have, the Roman census, the actual birth of Christ, the appearance of angels. The, the fourth component, the angels returned to the heavens and the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. So they went. They got the message. You guys need to go find this baby. So the fourth component is the next group to be impacted by the Christmas story were shepherds who were watching their flocks and to whom God sent angels. Interesting to note for me, without pretending to know why, the first group of humans to whom the birth of the Lord was announced were shepherds, not kings, not royalty, shepherds watching their flocks out on the hills, nobodies, ordinary people, probably less than ordinary, less than average in that society. That's the first group of people Jesus decide, or God decided to reveal the birth of Christ to, shepherds. And we said this was intentional on God's part. Because God had a plan. These shepherds played a vital role in the plan. Let's look at what the shepherds did, and you might find this relevant. After seeing him, after visiting the baby Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Remember we said there was a reason the angels appeared to these shepherds? It wasn't random. There was a reason. And that they were to have a role in this unfolding drama. Do you see it here? Do you see what their role is here? Can you see it? Immediately after they found Jesus, they went out and they told everybody about Jesus. That's why God had the angels appear to them, because that was their role and that was his plan. This group, for whatever reason, maybe others would too, this group would go and be impacted by Jesus and go out and tell others. This mission of telling others about Jesus started at his birth and carries on today through believers, through the church. Once you meet Jesus, it's no longer a baby in a manger, but once you meet Jesus, if you truly meet Jesus, the, the next response is you want to tell people about him. 
That's the effect he has on your life. Now, when we first get saved, we're usually all about that. Then life comes in. And by the time you get to be a Christian, as long as many of us had been, that has moved to a back seat telling others about Jesus. We need to have that passion revived as a church and as believers. That's why we live, to tell others about Jesus. No other reason. Getting evangelical from the Christmas story, right? Had to do it. Illustration, when Deb and I first got saved that night, oh my goodness, I'd gotten saved earlier that morning. I came home and I, I just, I randomly asked her, do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? And she said, well, nobody can know. And I'm like, yes, you can. I showed her scripture. She prayed the prayer and whew, the Holy Spirit filled our house. We couldn't sleep. It was one or two in the morning. We were out in the street, honestly, looking for people to tell. I know, we were totally obnoxious. We couldn't help ourselves. We met Jesus. Our lives were changed, and we had to tell somebody. And we're like, why don't our parents know this? Why don't our brothers and sisters know this? We got to go tell them. They probably just never heard it. Well, of course, that was wrong. When we went and told them, they're like, you're nuts. But that, the part I'm re- emphasizing is we had to tell them. If you truly meet Jesus, you got to tell somebody. That's what it does to you. These guys, these shepherds, man, they were glorifying and praising God at a high level. God sent the angels to the shepherds first. Because he knew this group of shepherds would unabashedly, unashamedly, unapologetically tell others about Jesus. That they had found the Savior. And he changed their lives. Even as a baby. The mission of telling others about Jesus happened at the very birth of Christ. I mean, uh, started, occurred. They carried out their assignment admirably. All who heard their story were amazed meaning their curiosity was piqued and they wanted to know more. Jesus the Messiah is now born, and the way is now being set up. It's preparing the way for John and a revival that was going to break out under his ministry. Everything now is flowing forward. The plan is in motion. We're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Savior is born. The Messiah is born. It's a new day for the earth. Great joy. Glad tidings. Christ is born. Pretty cool stuff, right? God is amazing, right? One more time. I'd say he knows what he's doing. And I hope that we can take that from this story and say, you know, it doesn't really seem like it, but he knows what he's doing in my life right now too. And I don't have to worry. And I don't have to fret about anything. Amen there? All right, conclusion. We know from other Gospels, this is Luke, we know from other Gospels that there are others then that come to visit the Christ child, most notably the Magi. We call them the the wise men or the three kings from the east. But Luke, he ends his story here. Because Luke sees all about the mission of the church. Once he got us to know that the shepherds found Jesus and now they were going out into the surrounding area telling people about him, he's going to change venue. He's done with the Christmas story. And so are we.
So now, instead of someone coming and praying to close like I normally do, I have a video. Ron, cue it up. Um, We're going to close with a video that sort of summarizes this story for us. After the video, Sonny's going to come and we're going to sing acapello. Acapello. Or maybe we're going to sing Mexican acapulco. But Sonny's going to come and he's going to lead us in some singing of Christmas carols, some traditional good religious Christmas carols, some carols for the kids. Sonny's going to take care of that. But for now, let's watch this video. It sums, pretty much sums what I just said.
Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.